Okay, we begin. So, but the traditional explanation for the three and the four was that the when four you, and when, the five, when the four and the five. Sorry, is that when, when you when you steal a sheep, you carry it, and there's a, a sense of shame. Exactly. That's why it feel bad for the thief because he he's because he's embarrassed that he has to carry the mm-hmm. while the, the while it's easier just to pull the uh, the, cow. the cow comes with you and walks around. Right. That's so. That, it's that's interesting is so you have to look at everything on each level. And that's one of the things I was trying to do with Mishpatim. So you, you start with Mishpatim and you come into the driest, right? Because we're talking about laws. So I started learning it Saturday night. Okay, dry, Sunday dry, Monday dry, Tuesday dry. I was dry. So I said to you this morning that I had the thought about this. So the, the Zohar actually begins, Eleha Mishpatim Sod HaGilgul. The whole thing of Ever Ivri is Sod Gilgul. Mishpatim is Sod Gilgul, the secret of reincarnation. That's how the Zohar starts. So, so I started looking to see how do we go from there and, and relate. So I started the Gemara and Baba Kama. So basically, Baba Kama is all about damages. So the Gemara and Baba Kama it talks about the different kinds of damages. So it says, Rabbi Huda says, this is uh, page 38. One who wants to be pious should observe the matters of tractate Nezikin so as to avoid causing damage to others. So if you want to be considered a pious person, if you want to be considered a Sadiq, you should learn the laws of Nezikin, of damages. And the question everyone's going to ask is, what do you mean? Why is that considered a pious person? A person who's, who wants to avoid damaging someone, he's a regular guy. We should all avoid damaging. So why is he called a Sadiq? Then Rafa says, no, you want to be called a Sadiq? You should observe all the matters in Perkavot. If you learn Perkavot through and through, then, and you, and you practice everything it says in Perkavot, we're going to call you a Sadiq. And some say, a person should observe the matters of Berachot. He should learn the tractate in the Gemara of Berachot, and he should know how to say blessings. And a person who blesses Hashem, that person is considered a Sadiq. So when you look at this, you could understand a person who goes through all of Avot, and he does everything in Perkei Avot, you should consider him a Sadiq. And the person who learns all about Berachot, and he's praising Hashem, you could consider him a Sadiq. But Nezikin, a guy who avoids damaging people is considered a Sadiq. It's a very strange, strange statement. It seems to be a strange statement in the Gemara. So really, I looked in some of, the, uh, some of the explanations, and the rabbis basically say, what does it mean? That this person should avoid damaging other people. And because he avoids damaging other people, he's considered a Sadiq. But it's a stretch. seems a stretch. So you go back to the first Mishnah of Baba Kama. It says there are four... So what, what does it mean, Nezikin? What does he have to avoid? So there are four primary categories of damage. The, ga- the category of shore, ox. The category of boar, pit. The category... You can have all my notes if you want. The category of maveh. Those are not here, but there. These notes. After I'm done. There's no, not the same as that. No, 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 not the same. That's what I'm saying. After That's you're done. Brother, but you could keep writing, but I mean, you, you're going to give me that. I'll give you all of this if you You could always have my notes. Okay. Okay. But you didn't email those, though. These I didn't email. No, no, no. This I just finished oh. four minutes ago. So, <laughs> so, so the, the, there are four categories of, of Nezikin Shore, Bor, Maver. Maver, the Gemara argues about it. Maver, I, I just wrote in English. It's, uh, oh. it's Mem, I think Mem Ayin. Maver. Oh, so it means tooth. We translate it as tooth. And the last uh, category is Haber. Be'er is we translate it as fire. Be, bet. bet Ayin Resh. Yeah, we used to learn this with Rabbi Abadi. The, this the, this yeah. Nezikin. Well, what, uh, you know, we, we, in the morning, we only had the one, uh, the one minyan mm-hmm. at 7.15. Mm-hmm. So he'd come in at 
we're coming at 7, 6.30. 6.30. And we sit over there, there was like, oh, five, seven of us, then we're going to buy a body and we're doing this. Oh. So if you explain the four, what's the first one? Sure. You have an ox, the ox goes and gores somebody. Bore, you dug a pit, and the pit is open, and people fall in the pit and they get hurt. Or an animal falls in the pit and gets stuck halfway down the pit. Generally, they dug a pit. In, if, if you dug it on private property, it's tough. No one's allowed on your property. If you dug it on someone else's property, you for sure, you can't do that. But if you dug it in public property, why would you dig a pit? Generally, it's a cistern. So you would dig a pit in order to catch water. What they had to do was keep, the, keep it covered when it wasn't raining. So if you dug it and then, uh, a uh, sheep walked by and it slipped and it got stuck halfway down, the question is, did it die from the fall or did it die from, that's the whole argument of the Gemara, did it die from the fall, did it die from uh, no oxygen or whatever, right. And how you work it out, the, who pays what. Then the next one is, Mave uh, basically is, is, the, the, is grazing. And the problem with grazing is that when a, when a sheep grazes, generally it tears out the bottom of the grass so it doesn't grow back. So it really causes damage. Or it goes and it eats your flowers. Or it eats your uh, crop. Yeah. Or your, your grapes. Yeah. And the fourth one is fire. A guy was in the forest and he, you know, he lit his fire and the fire spread. So those are the four. So he says a person, a person who's, who's it says we said the, the, Gemara, uh, the Mishnah says, a person, if he watches these Nezikin, if he observes... These laws, he's considered pious. It seems crazy. Everyone should observe these. Just a regular guy should observe. If you don't observe these, you're a sinner. So really, what, is it, what, is, what, what does it mean? So, that, so that's what I saw from, uh, from Netivot Shalom. He says, you have to understand, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi had much deeper, something much deeper in mind. What does he say? He says the four categories of damage, he relates to the four ways that the Yetzir Hara damages a person. What are the four ways? This is what he causes a person to stumble. He says the first way is called Shor. Shor is ox. We have a pasuk in, uh, we say, Ashira la ki ga'o ga'a in uh, Az Yashir. And we say, Ge'eh shel behemot Shor. The, pr- the pride of the animals is, uh, is an ox. So an ox, so he says, what should a person try not to do? A person has to make sure not to be haughty, not to have pride, not to over, over push himself. That's, that's the approach of, of shore. Pride, haughtiness, gava. The second category is bore. Bore is a pit. So he says, bore is the antithesis of shore. What's bore? Bore is a, depre- is a person who's depressed. A person who has no self-esteem. He says, this is what we say in the Siddur when we pray every day, Hashem should keep us from yagon ve'anacha, sadness and depression. And if you look in some of the Siddurs, on top of the word yagon, you have Sam, the, the Satan. And on top of the word anacha, you have Lil, his wife. So how does the Satan destroy you? With depression. A person who's depressed, he's a self-pity, he slides into sadness, Leads to yeush, it leads to giving up, and life is over. So that's the second way, shorebore. The third way is maveh, shen. Shen is tooth or mouth, and it's damage that comes through the mouth. So it could be what goes in and what comes out. That's the two problems with the mouth. And the fourth way is fire. And fire, the Tivot Shalom, says that refers to a person's lustful passions. There has to be a balance. So the person has to overcome all of these things. If a person could overcome these four traps of the Yetzirah, that person, says in Tibot Shalom, is considered a Sadiq. Fulfill the laws of Nizikin, he says that's what it means. So what does a person have to do? He has to take these approaches to, to make sure he doesn't fall into those damages. And that's it. Everything he has to he has to create he has to create he has to treat with balance. That's the end of Nitivot Shalom. Then I found this one. I just copied it straight there. Rav Chaim Shaul Kaufman, the Mishchet Shemen, he he writes based on the Baal Shem Tov that he parallels the four different categories of causing damage. Now the reason I brought the other ones is because generally anyone who's quoting someone mentions the person. 
Now, nobody mentions anybody else. The only one who mentions anyone is Nitivot Shalom, who's 20th century, and he mentions the Maharal. But no one mentions the Arizal, and no one mentions each other. So Rav Chaim Shaul Kaufman, he writes that the ox, the shore in Hebrew, uh, shore, which he says, he, this parallels the eyes. He bases it on the interpretation of Bil'am's prophecy. He says, Ashurenu, I will see. So he says that a person has to be very careful with his eyes. The second, the pit, implies emptiness. He says that a person shouldn't remain empty, but he should fill his mind with Torah. The third, and he says that's why it's called a bore, because the person's a bore. <laughs> B-O-O-R in English, yeah. He says the third set of damages is through the teeth. And again, he says it's what goes in and what comes out. He uses the same one. And finally, fire has the potential to cause devastating damages, so we must always be mindful to control passions within ourselves, the fires of, of sexuality and anger, etc., etc. So that's his part. So again, he brings the four, and he brings the four on a deeper level. Then I found Noam Elimelech, he writes, He says, it says in the Gemara, There are four types of damages, Hashor v'abor goes he says, It's unbelievable. So he's quoting Sefer Yetzira. Remez He says, what are these four things? They are a hint towards the four powers of the dark side. He says, He says, they are against the Avot, Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. He says, but the problem is, he says, Aren't there only three avot? He says, and here we have four. He says, he says, He says, we find, where's the fourth? And he says, So we know the story. Who wanted to be the fourth of the avot? No, he should have been. But who wanted to be the fourth? Was David HaMelech. He's after Tikkun HaVesav. He wanted to be the fourth. And he said, let test me and Batsheva. He says, but in truth, David He's the fourth. And in holiness, they're the four Avot. So that, that, was, that was that. But so David HaMelech, the fire. David HaMelech, he says, that's the fourth, right. The fire, the passion, right? So now I went from there back into the Zohar. Because now I want to take it to the next level, but it's all similar, relating, the same four. Okay? So we have, Unklu says that a person has to present these laws in a very straightforward and orderly way. He says, he says that in the Zohar Kadosh, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai reveals an entirely different interpretation. According to the Zohar, He's referring to the order of judgments and punishments, which is interesting because that's what Victor wrote about, that dictate the reincarnation of Neshamot, each person receiving his proper due. He says the interpretation is strange because they all ask, what does this have to do with Seder that the, that the, the Unculus is bringing that should be a Seder, should be a Seder like a table? So to understand what he's talking about, so we're talking about the beginning of this week's Ferashat, it says, These are the laws. It's a very dry portion. It seems just a list of laws of, we went through first of damages. If a person does this, he has, a, he has a, a, an ox that gores someone, he digs a hole and someone falls in his hole. He, uh, he has a sheep that eats your, uh, your new roses or he, has a, he lights a fire and it burns down your... Uh, your, uh, yeah, okay, let's not say, let's go that far. Burns down your, uh, your little uh, wheat garden. Okay, so he says, what does all this, what does this have to do? He says, the, the Arizal says, all this has to do with reincarnation. So what do you mean, what does it have to do with reincarnation? So he begins. Rabbi Akiva says, mishpatim, asher These are the mishpatim you should put in front of you. Amal lo HaKadosh Baruch Hu Moshe. Hashem says to Moshe, he says, Don't let it cross your mind. He says that I'm going to teach them a parak of halacha, bet, or gimel pe'amim. Don't think that I'm teaching you these laws that all you have to do is teach them, like a parrot, 
This is the law, two times, three times, until they get it. Until, until it's, it's, it's comfortable in their, in their mouths. He says that, I, that, that I'm requiring you that they should understand is the reason for what we're doing and it's explanation understanding. Therefore it says You should place in front of them And Rabbi Akiva says something That we then from him turn into a book That all of us use every day Like the Shulchan Aruch And it should be a set table That you could serve food in front of the person He says what does Moshe have to do He has to explain the mitzvot And the understanding of the mitzvot to the point where someone has it as if it's a table setting in front of him. Now we can understand one thing, because we know when we learn in Chukat, it begins, this is the Chukat, and we say, we don't understand a Chok. But when it comes to Mishpatim, we have to understand. So he's saying that all the mitzvot that that Moshe is going to teach them, Rabbi Akiva is saying, a person, Moshe Rabbeinu, Hashem is telling Moshe Rabbeinu, you have to not just teach them the mitzvot, you have to teach them ta'ameh ha-mitzvot. The reason for the mitzvah. And Rabbi Akiva is saying, how far do you have to go? Like Shulchan Aruch. This is the Gemara in... He says it specifically. Oh, I said it, this is Rabbi Akiva. No, somebody else said it. I don't know if it was last year. That uh, the reason the Mishpatim follow uh, the, uh, giving, the giving of the Torah the, the previous portion is that you know even when you think you know the reason, you don't really know the reason. You know, it's like you have to do it. Why? Not because you think that in your mind this is the uh, logical interpretation of why you don't do it. Because God said so. Just like he said all the other stuff at uh, Sinai. So, Same thing here. Right, that's where the ve'eleh. We start the parashah ve'eleh. Right. The vav hachibur, the vav connects us to the Ten Commandments. And just like you have to pay attention to the Ten Commandments, right, so you have to. But no, but he still, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't tell you that you don't have to learn. To try to. Just because, because right, we know specifically, a chok, it's almost impossible to understand we say. Even though Shlomo HaMelech went through every chok and explained pretty much every one, the only one that was tough for him was Paraduma. And, and the Arizal explains the Paraduma. So we, we have all the whatever we have reasons the rabbis taught us. The Arizal gives the explanation. When we get to it, we'll do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so but, but uh, I mean, fundamentally, uh, all, all the mitzvot have an element of hook in them. Yes, because no matter what, you can't, because you can't say the only reason I'm doing it is because of the reason. I'm not eating pork because I'm going to get sick and get, tri- what is it, trichinosis, yeah. right? But now we know I'm not going to get it, so that means I can eat pork, <laughs> okay? No, we no. can't say. But he says that the Moshe's responsibility was to teach the Ta'ameh mitzvot. Now, if Moshe is teaching the Ta'ameh mitzvot, he's teaching really What's the Tameh Mitzvot? Must be we just... And that's what the whole thing of the, of the Gemara is. We lost the Oral Torah. That was the Oral Torah. Says, so he says... So, yeah. so we have to explain why Rabbi Akiva compares the commandment to teach B'nai Israel the reason for the mitzvot as a Shulchan Aruch. What is a Shulchan? What is a table? You want to teach Tameh HaMitzvot? What's Ta'am? Taste. Taste. So what should he say? You should prepare it like food in front of them. Because ta'am food, ta'am mitzvah, the reason for the mitzvah. So compare it to ta'am. Don't compare it to a table. So it says, how do you answer that question? The Gemara Berachot writes, Kol zeman shebet hamikdash kayam. All the time that the bet hamikdash existed, mizbeach, the altar, mechaper al Yisrael was giving atonement for B'nai Israel, Ve'achshav, and now, what gives us atonement? Shulchano shel adam mechaper alav. The table of a person gives him kapara, gives him atonement. Rashi goes and he writes on this, that what did the people do in ancient France, in the, mid, in the, the you know, Middle Ages in France? When they went to be buried... 
You know who wanted the Rabbi Farr told me this. When they went to be buried, what they do? They took their dining table and they turned it into the coffin and they got buried in their dining room table because the dining table was where they did the mitzvot and they invited people. And this Pasuk says that the dining table should be considered the Mizbeach. So I remember when my father passed away, he was in Florida, it was on a Tuesday, and the next day was, was Tubishvat, and I said to my brother Ruby, you think mommy will kill us if we go to the house and take the table and, and turn it into a coffin? And my brother said, she'll kill you. So I said, okay, forget it. But my father, we've got a great kick out of that, you know, because we're in the <laughs> furniture business, you know, we would have taken the table. Anyway, I would have made my mother a new table, but I don't know. So it says that the ancient friend, so Rabbi Farr, he told me, he, he has a table that he's very proud, and he brought it from England. And he said, you know, Belati, he doesn't want to say anything, but he says after 120, they should bury him in the table, because in England he had all these people from all over that had nowhere to go, and he was able to do mitzvah. So is, is that the reason why your table is compared to Mizbeach, because you have guests? He said, that's the simple reason. But again, everything, we have to peel the, the onion back. Sorry, you're going to say something? When you say these people who buried themselves... On no, the they table, were buried. The, the fr- Rashi quotes that in... So Rashi, remember... These were Jews. Rashi, yeah, yeah. Rashi okay. is in a, around the year uh, 1100. Yeah. And he's saying that the people in France, where he Jews lives, France, yeah. the Jews in France, what they would do is when the person passed away, he would, they would take his dining table, turn it into his coffin, he would be buried in the table. So he would take his mitzvot mm-hmm. with him so to say Rav Chaim Vital writes B'Sha'ar Kavanot. so Rav Chaim Vital is the student of the Arizal everything from the Arizal we have through Rav Chaim Vital he says in Yana HaShulchan with regard to the table Ra'iti Lemori I saw from my teacher Zichron Vacha Sheya Choshesh Umakpid he was very worried and he was very careful Me'od V'Zahir also more uh, he only ate on a table with four legs. He says, like the example of Shulchan Aruch Hamikdash. Now, I get people all the time that come into me and say, I want a table, but I only want a table with four legs because the Arizal. Really? They want to make a table. The problem is, when you want a 14 foot table, you can't make a table with four legs. You need more legs than four when you have a table that's that big. But they always say, no, I want a table with four legs because the Arizal. I get the... <laughs> what do you do when it's a really long table? You, you make a, put like extra You put extra... Yeah, but you, you don't generally get... They Usually the wife convinced them, I don't want legs, I want two pedestals. Okay, honey, whatever you want, then that's it. Because when you have legs, you, you, you hit in the corner. So he says, but this is the source of it, the Arizal. I never saw something like this. For some reason, the wife was in, well, the wife was in charge. Of She's always in charge. And so she has to have a table from Italy. Mm-hmm. So she goes to Italy and she contracts with somebody to make her a table. The table, you, is, made, the the table is made out of iron or steel. It weighed a ton. Mm-hmm. Absolute ton. I've never seen anything like it. It's on roll, rollers. Wow. Because you couldn't move it otherwise. Mm-hmm. So, and then she had another table, you know, like that if you needed an extension, you could add it to the middle, because mm-hmm. you could take the other two parts in half, and you could... Oh, you put the other table in the, the middle. middle. I never, so I, I was curious how much this thing cost, uh-huh. I, I, but I didn't want to ask. Uh-huh. It must have cost a fortune, you know, for, for this table, which you're going to cover anyway with, with a... With a, with a the extra? The, uh, you got it. If you, one day when you, when you, you want to come, I'll show you. I have a folder of just tables we made. There's hundreds of tables from everything you could imagine. I mean, everything you could imagine. One of the things I liked the most was I had someone who they wanted that they had a big room and they wanted to use it for entertaining, so they didn't want a dining room at all. So they wanted this room that they could entertain people. They don't have it. They can eat on the dining room whenever they wanted. And when we're going to eat, they needed so much table space that it was going to fill every inch and you couldn't. So what we made them was six consoles. Two on one wall, two on another wall, one at each wall in the head. Each console was two feet deep by eight feet wide. Each console turned into a 12-foot table. So when you put six tables together, they made it in a, like a check, you know, whatever. It turned out into, yeah, 
You could seat, you could sit 70 people. Or even, like, it's probably not even a good idea to make a table out of metal because it's like, it's, it's like, yeah, like the altar. Uh, you're not supposed to use Make it out, yeah. Not supposed to use, <laughs> supposed to use to no, you're not supposed to, right. Yeah. The, the altar is actually out of earth. earth. The main. Uh, and they're even on, on, on iron or something. Else. I don't know. It sounds cool. I'd love to see it. Okay, so now, so, so, he says that, that he, so he says that a person should know he should have a four leg. This is the idea of a four leg table. He says, What is the idea of a four legged table? So he explains, and this is also based on Sefer uh, Yetzirah that he's quoting. He says, Hashem created man out of four basic elements. Fire, wind, water, and earth. In Hebrew, esh, ruach, mayim, afar. These four elements relate to the name Havaya. The yud, the he, the vav, and the he relate to each of these elements. If man had not sinned with the etz hadat, his body and soul would have existed in perfect harmony with these four elements. I don't remember Bruce Willis with the, the movie, right? The fifth element? No. They bring all the elements together. It says, the four, so it says, what happened is when Adam sinned, the four elements were infused with a mixture of good and evil. Consequently, it was decreed that man had to die because the elements were separated from one another. What does that mean? He says, so the Rav Chaim Vital is explaining further. He says that the negative attributes the negative attributes stem from the evil portion contained within the four elements, while the positive traits <coughs> emanate from the good within the four elements. And then he describes this whole thing from the, from the Zohar. And I'll translate it a little. He says, it follows, therefore, that all the negative attributes can be divided into four categories. So this is going to be similar to the four categories that we talked about. Sorry, before you got it. It says, for example, haughtiness, but now he's interesting because, because what I quoted you before, they, they, they relate things, but he relates differently. But the bottom line, he's relating the same attribute, but he's relating it differently to the midah. I, I know this. Yeah? The, the, uh, the haughtiness is going to be fire. It says, so for example, haughtiness and anger stem from the evil aspect of Aish. And the uh, ruach. passion. Is no, do ruach. Ruach is going to be uh, emptiness. Beautiful. So idle speech stems from the negative aspect of ruach. Earthly cravings and desires come from? Laziness. Mayim. Water just flows, he says. Earthly craving, desire comes from water. I would have thought desire comes from fire. No, the, the, the passion comes from water. It, uh, like the water signs are usually the ones that are... The, the ah, ones. okay, so that makes sense. So we have, sorry, we have haughtiness is from fire. Uh, so fire is going to be Aries and Leo. I'm and, learning and this. Three, Aries, Leo and... I, know, I, only know, uh, I only know because I'm Leo, my wife's Aries, and that'd be easy over there. Okay. Idle speech from Ruach, earthly cravings from Mayim, and, neg- oh, and, and Afar is sadness. Right. Laziness. Sadness. Laziness and indifference right. towards the Torah observance. Beautiful. Okay, so that's what the Arizal is bringing. So that really connects to. The, to, and, I, and I guess that's why it's similar to what we have in Sefer Yetzirah because that's related to astrological right. forces. He says the converse is similarly true. The good positive attributes originate from the same four elements. He says humility stems from fire, correcting the tendency towards haughtiness. Being silent and mute, except when occupied with the Torah, is from the wind. Right? He says that's the source of speech. So again, that's similar to what we said was ma'ava, was shen, tooth. Disgust for, physic, disgust for physical delights and excess corrects the negative aspects of water, which on the other one we said was fire. And being in happy and content with one's lot, knowing full well that everything from above is aimed at our well-being, is the correction and tikkun for earth. Okay. It says, how does this relate to a korban? So he says, so we're quoting now here from Tikkun Zohar, 
regarding sacrifices. The purpose of offering a korban is to make amends for the damage one's transgressions have caused to the four basic elements. Eish, Ruach, Mayim, and Afar. When you bring a sacrifice, you're fixing the damage caused to the elements. What does that mean, fixing damage caused to the elements? And this is where it's very interesting. So it says, we have two possibilities. We have something either has Kiddushah, or it's lacking Kiddushah, and when it's lacking Kiddushah, it has negative force. Anywhere that there's a, uh, a vacuum, anywhere Kiddushah leaves, there's a vacuum. Anywhere that there's a vacuum, the negative side enters that vacuum. It says, it says that, that, that causing a defect in the four elements is tantamount to inflicting a wound in one's soul. He says what happens is when the elements are separated from one another, he says what happens, the elements of fire separate from water, elements of wind separate from earth. The result of this separation is conflict and lack of harmony. When there's conflict and lack of harmony, what happens? The Shekhinah removes itself when there's any lack of harmony. And what happens? The Yetzir Hara, which he brings, is known as Samach Mem. He says it allows Samach Mem, that's the name of the angel, to enter. For Hashem does not dwell where there is conflict and disharmony. To remedy the situation necessitates the bringing of a korban from the elements that were impaired. When harmony is restored among the elements, Hashem returns immediately and Satan flees. If Satan does not flee, he's consumed in the fire of the korban. So the idea of bringing the korban is to return harmony to the elements. How does the, the act of bringing the korban return the harmony? It says, this is, this is how it works. The element of Aish is rectified by the fire, which, is, which consumes the korban. The element of Ruach, which is the source of speech, is rectified by the, that the person has to, make, he has to put his hands on the, on the sacrifice and make a confession. So his mouth, his, his words of confession, fixes this aspect of Ruach. The element of Mayim is rectified through salt. Because salt, the source of the salt is the water. And Rashi explains on Vaikra, where we're discussing that every korban has to have salt, that a covenant was made with salt. We say there's Brit Melach. From the six days of creation, the earthly waters were promised that they would be offered on the Mizbeach in the form of salt and in the pouring of the water of Sukkot. So the water wanted to have a part in the Ben HaMikdash. That's how the water is always included through salt. And that's why we take the bread, and we dip the bread in salt, because the bread represents deen, and the salt represents chesed, just like we put the water in the wine to, to, metak, to, to lematek et hadin, to sweeten the, the water sweetens the bread in order to, or the salt screens in order to... Salt represents... Water. And that represents deen, or... No, it represents chesed, chesed in, in that aspect. The bread represents deen. Right. Because the bread is, you have to chew it, you know, you have to use all your teeth to chew the bread. And we talked about this morning that lechem is from the same as milchaman, we we talked about before. And he says the element of afar was rectified by the mizbeach itself, which was built from earth. Mizbeach adama, he says, ta'asili, Hashem says. He says, Rashi goes further, he says, Hashem took soil, it said, he said, from the place of the future Mizbeach, hoping that it would atone of man to allow him to do it. It says, Hashem had his man created from the dust of the earth. He says, he took the dust from the place that the Mizbeach would come from, so that the dust of the Mizbeach would, would, uh, would fix the sin of man who was also from the earth. This works with what the Kiddushat Levi writes. He says that what do we have to do anytime we bring a korban? We have to hold the korban and inspect it for four days prior to the slaughter. Why four days? He says we have to make sure it doesn't have any flaws. But more important, why four days? These four days, a person is required to prepare himself and to sanctify himself through each of the four elements 
that the, that the korban is going to be metakev, fixed. So there's much more to a sacrifice than just saying, yo, Joe, send me a sheep, and saying, yo, Kohen, Joe, <laughs> slaughter the sheep. Now, they mentioned here the fire and the ruach, but the other two are not mentioned yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the afar is the earth. Oh, the earth. And the, the, the water is the salt. What's the fire and the okay. air again? The fire, sorry, the fire was, the fire is the fire of the, the Mizbeach. And so fire represents the fire of the the, elter, the element of ash is rectified by the fire. The element of ruach is rectified by the speech. The element of water is rectified by the soul. So, the, element, the element of afar, of earth is rectified through the Mizbeach itself, which is made out of afar. Ah. Boom. Air was again what? Ruach. The confession. So this coincides with this this coincides why the Arizal why the Arizal has a four legged so it says we said that the, the, the Gemara says that in the time that you don't have a Mizbeach, what do you have instead of the Mizbeach? The table. The table the Arizal has four legs. The four legs of the table represent our desire to correct the four elements and to bring those four elements into unity through the table itself. That's the idea of the Arizal, and that's why he would only eat on a table with four legs. But did the, the Mizbeach have legs, though? It didn't. Ah, but he says the table is equal to the Shulchan in the Ben HaMikdash, which, ah, had, okay. which had four legs. Okay. says, so now, go, going further, what was the reason now that Rabbi Akiva says, he says that a person, had, that, that Moshe Rabbeinu was responsible to place the mitzvot, to teach them the understanding of the mitzvot, so that it would be as if it was Shulchan Aruch. That's Rabbi Akiva's words. So he says, to understand that, he goes, We're quoting again what we said Rabbi Akiva said. Moshe not only had to teach Israel the halachot, but he had to re- and not only review it with them several times, but he had to make sure they understood the rationale the reason underlying the mitzvot compared to Shulchan Aruch. So he says, now let's try to suggest an answer. He says that, that we, uh, we learned that the purpose of the mitzvot is to rectify and sanctify the four basic elements which comprise a human being. Esh, Ruach, Mayim, and Afar. So it's imperative that a person examine the reasons underlying the mitzvot so he'll recognize which elements he must rectify with a particular mitzvah. It is for this reason that Hashem commanded Moshe to teach B'nai Israel the rationale behind the mitzvot. Because I know I have to fix something. Which mitzvah do I attach myself to more, which will help me to fix the area where I'm lacking? How does he explain that? He says, we learn this principle from the Rambam. Rambam says, it's worthwhile to examine the reasons for the commandments in the Torah in order to acquire a proper perspective and act appropriately. And I quote the Rambam here. Even though all the laws of the Torah are decrees, this is what the Rambam is writing, it's still necessary to explore them. Anything you can find a reason for, you should do so. It is said that Shlomo HaMelech ascertained the reasons for most of the chukim of the Torah, which we said a minute ago. This is necessary in order to overcome the evil inclination and to achieve proper perspective. Most of the laws of the Torah are merely, this is crazy, merely good advice and guidelines from above to help us acquire proper perspective and act appropriately. This is Ramban. That you should be a good guy. <laughs> Ramban, he writes something very similar. He says, Lord Nitnuha Mitzvot, Hashem did not give us the Mitzvot, in order to refine a person through his, his attributes, through the mitzvot. So what's the purpose of the mitzvot? To make us better people. Listening to earth, wind, and fire doesn't count. Ah, I like that. We've got to use that one on Shabbat. <laughs> the purpose of the mitzvot is not, is not for Hashem's benefit, but rather to benefit man. This is Ramban. To protect him from harm or improper beliefs or negative attributes. 
They also serve to remind him of Hashem's miracles and the wonders he, he did and to help us achieve a better understanding of Hashem. The Midrash employs the phrase lisrof because that's what you do when you're refining silver, right? You're putting the metal in, you're taking out the impurities. He says, as a result, he says that, that the mitzvot are intended to refine a person and free him of impurities. Now this is going to relate, we're going to see what Victor wrote with the punishment, such as improper beliefs. As a result, we'll, um, we'll ultimately perceive the truth and remember Hashem. Ultimately, the mitzvot teaches good midot. According to what we learned above, the purpose of the mitzvot is to refine the four basic elements in man's makeup. Rav Chaim Vital explained that the midot relate to these four elements. Hence, it's essential to explore the reasons underlying the mitzvot in order to subdue the negative aspect of the particular elements by means of the appropriate mitzvah. We now have a better understanding of why Rabbi Akiva wrote, Keshulchan Aruch, Umuchan Lecholif Nehadam. Like a set table. He says a set table has to have four legs, like the Shulchan and the Ber HaMikdash, alluding to the tikkun of the four basic elements by means of a korban, which corresponds to the four elements. And it's necessary to teach Israel the underlying reason of the mitzvot so they understand which mitzvah relates to which element. Wow. Next. Almost done. This is, the, this is just the reincarnation one, and we. Yeah, almost done. So, let's keep going now. Rav Shimon Bar Yochai. This is from the Zohar. Patach Rabbi Shimon ve'amar. He says, hamishpatim asher tasim lefnehem. He says, he says what, what are we learning here? He says, the words of the Targum are the orders and rules concerning the reincarnation of souls. Ele hamishpatim tells us all of this is to teach us what happens when a soul is reincarnated. Boom. Now, what he says here is very different than I learned in other places. But my rabbi once explained to me what, what, he, what he meant. So he says, he says, let us introduce a fascinating concept. He said, it's known from the Zohar HaKadosh. And the, uh, he says that Hashem sends the sinner down to earth several times in various reincarnations. The purpose of these reincarnations... Now, watch, you're going to see. <laughs> That's this is this is it. You get hit here. This is I got when you see this one. So but when he limits it here, it's each level of the Neshama. So it's multiple levels times the number he's gonna bring. He says the purpose of these Gilgulim is to correct all of the harm and the defects one has caused. So I was living on this earth, I messed up, I get up to heaven, I see the video. I say, Hashem, do me a favor. Give me another chance. Okay, I'll send you back. Try again. The problem, he says, is what's the point of sending a person down in a reincarnation? If you send the same guy down to come back again, what is he going to do? Same the same sin again. So what's the point of sending him back? He says that he's going to not only do the same sin, he's going to add additional sins to his resume that were not present in the previous incarnation. In that case, it would be preferable that you don't reincarnate a person. What should I just keep sending you to do worse? <laughs> so he gives an answer. I'll tell you what I think the answer Bluetooth, please. I'm thinking that um, on a soul level, the soul knows what was wrong. So somehow it's going to bother the person on some kind of level. He's gonna, something about this whole thing is going to... It's going to cause a little pain or something. Uh, you don't know why. But for some reason, you might think it's not good for him or he's got to fix something there. And he'll be more likely to um, either to fix it or stay away from it. And, uh, you know, somebody, somebody once said, I think that, um, you know how you know what the mitzvah is that you're supposed to really do? It's one that's the most difficult for you. Thing. Exactly. That's the answer we get. So, so he says, but now I'm going to show you, but say, where's the kindness in what Hashem's doing? He said, what the Arizal is writing is something unbelievable. He says that, and, and, now he, and now, so he, so he says that, this is a person born with the attribute of haughtiness. A person has gava. He's always going to pursue honor and respect and be jealous of anyone who's greater and more important than him. And he's going to look down on anyone who's below him. 
He says that a person born with a trait of stinginess is going to refrain from doing acts of tzedakah and kindness. He said that every one of our sins are rooted in the bad midot that were inherent in our nature from birth. So we're saying, is that the nature of our soul or not? So, so the, the, um, the, what you call the mazal, mazalot, um, yeah, astrology, the, 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 the mazalot we end up with when we're, when we're born is assigned to us based on what tikkun we have to make. So, so basically the way I always understood it, but he's going to turn us a little here is I get to heaven and I see, okay, what was I? I had too much ta'avot in this, this world, okay? So I had too much ta'avot, I, I, you know, I, every girl I saw, I, uh, that was it, right? So, so I say, listen, give me a chance. But, you know, let's work it out so that I could really do it better. So I said, okay, I'm going to be born into this family, in this time, get this education. All of the, what I'm going to call fate, is pre-programmed into the life that I'm choosing, in order that I'm going to be tested the way I need to be tested in order to pass the test. That was my understanding. He brings a little differently here. This is the B'nai Sakhar. That was my understanding from my rabbi always. That basically I get up there, I did something wrong, I have a chance to fix it. In order to fix it, I write the whole script of life that allows me to be challenged in this way. I, mean, you, but give, you, you, I write you, the script. You're able to select Certain so I'm sitting up there with God and saying, okay, th- this is your problem. I'm watching the video screen, right? This is your life. And I say, okay, if I have to come back again, how would I come back in order to overcome this midah? What do I need? So say a guy steals. Okay, so you know what, Hashem? Don't give me such a heavy challenge. Let me come back, the son of a wealthy man, and see if then I'm still going to steal. If I still steal then, whoa, right? I'm looking, because I'm still going to have the ta'ava to steal. But I'm I'm looking for the challenge to be in a way that I have the ability to overcome it that maybe I didn't overcome it the last life. Whatever that ta'ava is, I'm going to face it, but I'm rewriting the script in a way that I have a chance or that I'm specifically tested to overcome or as a tikkun. So say I was a bad husband. Now I come back. As the wife, and the husband is the, the reverse. And see, how do I act on the other side? So it says, that way, if you think of it that way, is really now what the B'nai Sakhar is writing. He says it's something unbelievable. He says that Hashem reincarnates a person who sinned into a body. I, I don't like even the word the sinner. I'm going to say that he reincarnates a person who did not complete his, his tikkun. With midot Opposite to the midot of the previous body. Wow. He's completely opposite. He says, for instance, if he previously possessed the trait of being a miser and a cheapskate, he's going to reincarnate into a body possessing the trait of being a spendthrift. He's challenged now with the opposite midah. That will, if he corrects the opposite, it'll make up for the other side. Wow. He says... If the person possessed the trait of haughtiness and arrogance, he's going to reincarnate into a body that's naturally humble and modest. So Hashem is giving him a gift to help him. Consequently, the person is more likely to improve his lot by means of reincarnation than to cause further damage. That's what the B'nai Sakhar said. Based on this, let's go back to the Tikkun Zohar. Hashem subjects the soul of the sinner... Says in, this is what it says, this is the scary, to three reincarnations and no more. So he says here, three strikes, you're out. What does that mean? He says, so this is based, it says, if he fails to accomplish the necessary tikkun for his flaws in those three attempts, the only recourse is straight to hell. The tikkune Zohar finds an allusion to this in the Pasuk. If these three he doesn't do, meaning we're talking about the, the, the female slave in this week's parasha, he says, if he doesn't do these three things for her, she goes out free. Meaning, if he doesn't do what he's supposed to do in the three strikes, it's over. 
I heard one other possibility. I heard the three strikes one. But it's, it's more than the three strikes. He explains the three It's not three strikes. This is also the message in the Pasuk. Hen kol ele all. He says that everything, these are all Eov rights. They're going to fall two or three times. He says, Hashem allows the sinner three chances to correct his defects by reincarnation. He says, we have to understand. He says, why three times and you're out? Because three times is a chazakah. Mm. And that means you're not going beyond. But what we learn from the B'nai Yisachar, we could provide a very nice answer. If we include man's initial appearance and lifetime on earth, and add his three reincarnations, it turns out that a person has the opportunity to visit the world four times. Now I think it's four times with each level of the souls. You fix each level. We can postulate that each visit was meant to rectify one of the four basic elements. Based on the nature of the four elements, we could expect the reincarnations to follow a logical order. For instance, let us suppose that during man's first existence on earth, the element of ash prevailed. Consequently, he exhibited the bad midot that arise from fire, such as arrogance, anger, and being overly strict. This would compel Hashem to reincarnate him into a body where the element of Mayim prevails. (laughs) For Mayim is the opposite of ash, therefore he would no longer be inclined toward the bad midot from ash, Thus, he would be likely to correct the defect and damage caused in his previous existence. If that's his nature, he's giving him a chance to fix on the opposite side. So he's basically, he's basically, was it when the teacher gives you a curve, on, right? Curves the test. If he successfully corrects the damage and defects from his previous existence, existence he's going to re- merit to rise after his death to his resting place in Gan Eden. If he fails again, he falls victim to the bad midot of Mayim, such as lust, coveting, and jealousy. Hashem's going to give him another chance. This time, he's going to reincarnate into a body where Ruach prevails instead of Mayim. So that he's no longer being drawn to the bad midot that he had the challenge of in the previous life. He's given a different set of challenges that might be easier for him to accomplish. If he succeeds, he goes on to heaven. If he fails once again, he comes back and he has a final chance to fix in the last time. In, in the third reincarnation, Hashem is going to put him in a body that basic element is afar, so that he's not going to be lured towards the bad midot arising from Aish, Mayim, and Ruach. What else could I do for you, buddy? Right? And then he has to fix. If he corrects the damage in, these, in this lifetime from the others, perfect. If he fails, and he ends up going even after the, the negative of afar, which is laziness and sadness. So if you see a lazy guy, you know he's on the fourth round. <laughs> There's no purpose in bringing him back for a fourth reincarnation. For if he has already visited the world four times, each time in a different body, personifying one of the four distinct basic elements, if he was a, 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 unsuccessful in rooting out and overcoming his bad midot in these four attempts, there's no purpose in sending him another time because you already gave him four chances with four separate tests. And you took each test and you made it the opposite of the previous. Because each level, no, maybe 20, maybe five levels of the soul. Nefesh, Ruach, Neshama, Chaya, Yechida. Maybe, and each sub, no, no, so each subset of each of those levels. Because we have the Nefesh of the Nefesh, the Nefesh of the Ruach, so we can keep going. But it's four at a level. That's what I was taught. That was four, you have four chances. So here, this is basically it. I'm in first grade. I have four chances to get to second grade. If I don't get to second grade, I'm done. Now I got to second grade, I have four chances to get to third grade. So I don't have to go from first grade to my PhD. I have the what steps. What about the five different levels of the soul? How does that connect? So five times four. So it's really first grade. chances to get to second grade. And, and maybe, oh, I don't know, but I don't well, know unless if... Unless it's just a specific aspect of the nefesh that is coming back. Right, because it could be it could be five times five times five. You follow? Why can't it be? It's the ruach of the ruach of the nefesh, or the nefesh of the ruach of the nefesh. It's each one we could break down. Since I, 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 I didn't get to see the paperwork. 
<laughs> so he says, so, so now he says that, that uh, so Hashem, so, so this is what happens. So if he, if he didn't fix it, he says there's no reason in sending him back. There's no reason to return him in human form. Ah, he <laughs> don't go to the next because he might come back as something else. And that the, the interesting thing is that when I read on it, it's when we come back as a person, we don't know who we were or what we were in a previous lifetime. But we're told that when a person comes back in one of the other forms, either animal or vegetation or mineral. That person is fully cognizant of that spirit is fully cognizant of everything he's ever done and what it needs to and that's sort of the suffering because I'm locked and I'm dependent on others to lift me out of here. So that's the scary part is if we sit down to drink and that soul in some way is 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 relegated to the water or the cup. And now that soul is sitting there saying, yo baby, he's going to make a bracha. Yo baby, he's going to make a bracha. I'm going to be out of here. I'm going to get another chance to start over. And the guy doesn't make the bracha. That's why I think you get hauntings. <laughs> I never read anything like that. I just imagined, you know, what, what, what would happen? If that soul didn't get to move on and you're responsible, where's that soul going? You just drank it. Okay? <laughs> he's going to haunt you. I don't have any source. I don't have nothing. <laughs> Tape recorder. Anyway, so he says, at least, so, so he says, really we have a little glimpse here of the depth of the wisdom of Rav Shimon Bar Yochai. Rav Shimon Bar Yochai begins with the following, He says, what is this whole idea? You're going to set Shulchan Aruch. He says, the whole idea of the Shulchan is to remember the four elements. It's to remind us all the time of the four elements that we have to correct. The judgment and laws alluded to in the opening pasuk of our perashah pertain to the order and process of reincarnation, a method of tikkun of neshamot. Following the steps of his rabbi, who was? Who was Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's rabbi? Rabbi Akiva. He says, he derived from the pasuk here that you have to set Shulchan Aruch. The whole idea. So Rabbi Akiva says something so simple as, you have to explain it like a set table. What's he talking about? I remember that, that once they were learning two separate tracks of the Gemara Berachot. My one, one tract was doing it on the simple Peshat, based on Halakha, and another tract was doing the whole Gemara based on Sod. Every word of the Gemara in Berachot was based on Sod. Nothing to do with Peshat. And they were doing an equal tract. Uh, and you see, it's like mind-boggling that every word of the Gemara could be understood on Sod. But if you don't look at it on the other ways, like we just started, when we started the whole thing in the beginning of, of what does it mean, bore, you know, damages, and to try to understand so as he ends, he says, this is Shvilei uh, Pinchas, he ends. He says, Rashi, Rashbi explains that the purpose of teaching Israel the reasons underlying the mitzvot is to spare them the orderly process of reincarnations. We learn the person who fails to rectify in four basic elements must necessarily reincarnate three times. With each renewed existence, he's meant to overcome one of the four elements. Thus, we could appreciate the gravity and importance of knowing the reasons underlying the mitzvot. The vital knowledge and tool will allow us to rectify all four basic elements without the need for the three reincarnations. So if a person learns the, 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 the mitzvot, and he goes beyond to learn the sort of mitzvot and how they relate to our soul, he's able to use those mitzvot to rectify him. Going back to the, the, just to go back to the beginning, he says, you know, that, and, and really relates to what we had here. So you have, we, we, we say basically that Nizikin talks about four types of damages shore, the bore, uh, uh, the, the tooth, and the, and the, what's it called, and the fire. So he says, you could look at it on the simplest level that you shouldn't leave a pit open that someone falls in it. Or you could look at a pit to mean you shouldn't suffer from depression. Or you go to the highest level to say that if my soul is at the level of afar, which is similar to this idea of depression, then I have to look into all the mitzvot in order to take my soul and to have simcha in order to pick myself up. And the simcha alone will be my tikkun. So when someone judges another person, they can't. Because everyone has their own shoes. Everyone has their own set of, of challenges that they have to overcome. Some people get up early every day. Some people, their challenge is, the, is they're the afar. 
They don't want to get up early every day to go to, to go to learn or to go to pray or to go to whatever. Everyone has a different challenge. If the, guy's cha- if the guy is not, if the, guy's, the guy who's going to run to do the mitzvot, and his challenge is that he doesn't lose his temper. But the guy who doesn't lose his temper, his challenge is to wake up. So when someone judges someone because they're not doing something like them, they can't even be in the same, we're not even in the same building. One of the things we have to always remember, it says the world was, each of us has to look at the world as if it was created for us. So when I'm up there putting my, my life together, my life is not only my life. My life is the universe I put myself in. So everyone in my life, I'm the star of my show. What was, I always go to the movies. What was the one with, you know, uh, the Truman Show, right? I'm the star, Truman Show, right? Yeah, no? Okay, so I'm the star of my life, and everybody is a supporting character. The world was created for me. I have to do my tikkun, and I have to look at everyone as a supporting character in that goal of me making the tikkun. And I think it's the Eleham Mishpatim, it's just unbelievable. The simplest thing, talk about damages and say, how does a person be considered a sadiq because he avoids damages? No, he's considered a sadiq because he's going into what does it really mean damages? These are the things that the satan wants to do to mess up our soul. And these are the reasons that we have to come back again. And if I really understand this whole idea of damages, then I really understand what the source is of my soul and how to fix my soul and how to move forward. One thing I'm not clear about is, um, let's say when a person thing? was, well, <laughs> start with this thing. Uh, a person was like 30 years old, 35 years old, 40 years old, and um, then when he's like 50 years old, he realizes, well, maybe that wasn't the right thing to do. And now he wants to try to fix it. Do you, does that tr- attempt to fix it? negate the necessity to come back again? Is it a real fixing? Or it's just like a nice try, you're still coming back? So there's, there's two possibilities there. So the one possibility is there's, there's a story about a, a certain man, just to give you the idea. There's a story about a certain man who wants to go see his Rebbe for Yom Kippur. And every year he goes to see his Rebbe on Yom Kippur, a chassid, he goes to his Rebbe. So the day after Rosh Hashanah, he has a week and he's going to make his journey to get to his Rebbe for Yom Kippur. So he gets on the road and he takes his wagon and usually it should take him two days and he gets right out and all of a sudden the wheel breaks on his wagon. He's stuck overnight in the middle of nowhere. The next day the horse's his foot is, he needs to find uh, uh, someone to change the blacksmith to change the Every day something happens. Finally, it's the day before it's Erev Kippur, he's in the morning. Erev Kippur, Friday morning, he's going to get to Kippur, he sees the, the town is right there, he's going through the, the farms, and all of a sudden, the wheel falls off again. Now he doesn't know what he's going to do. Well, he can't leave the wagon and the horse. Uh, and all of a sudden, out of the, the fields, some guys come and say, hey, we can help you. And they say to him, where are you going? He says, I'm going to my Rebbe. He goes, they say, you know, it's unbelievable, we saw you. We're nine Jews. Every year we have 10. And every year we make a minyan in Yom Kippur. But this year, one of the farmers moved away. We're only nine. And God, wow, you're the 10th. Please stay with us. We'll give you anything. We need 10 to make a minyan for Yom Kippur. And he says, no, I I really, I've got to go to my Rebbe. I go to my Rebbe. My Rebbe's my whole life. I can't even have Yom Kippur without my Rebbe. Say, okay, we understand. They help him change the, they help him with the wheel. And they send him on his way. He gets in the afternoon of Yom Kippur and everyone's getting ready. He runs to his Rebbe. His Rebbe is getting ready. He's not talking to him. The whole Yom Kippur, the Rebbe doesn't talk to him. The whole Sukkot, the Rebbe doesn't talk to him. Finally, the last day, Hoshana Rabbah, he comes to Rebbe and says, I've been here, but you don't even give me, you don't look at me, not at the time of day. He looks at me and says, I'm sorry to tell you, but your soul was only created to be the 10th man. So on the one side, maybe there is only one, one side. But my rabbi said something very different. And I think it's based on what we said last week. He said something, he said that a person has to understand, we talk about this whole idea of Gilgul. But Gilgul is not just Gilgul of a life. He says there's Gilgul in a year. I get to Yom Kippur and I have the Gilgul of the year. And I have a chance to be able to fix from one year to the next. And then he went on, he says you have the Gilgul of the month. And the Gilgul of the week and the Gilgul of the day. He says that 
Hashem in His kindness will put you in a similar challenge to the first challenge, even though it's not the same. So a man of 20 is not going to be the same as a man of 60 in the challenge. But the challenge will be weighted so that you're balanced and you have the same challenge in your own life. You'll have multiple times to correct. So it's not... So according to, according to the story I told you, there's certain times in life that you have it and that's it. That was like a, a huge thing that would uh, you know, shatter the world, so to say. We have that, for example, with Shaul HaMelech. What do you mean? He, he was a Sadiq. Give him another chance. Kill the guy and finish. Let's go forward. Kill the king of Amalek. And... Because he, he let the guy live for, for 12 hours, you're going to take away? That was the chance, and he blew it. And once he blew it, it's over. So can he still make a tikkun? Yeah, but his tikkun had to only come through death. And that's what you see when Victor talks about how we make a tikkun from death. That's what he wrote about this week. So that's a tikkun. But, but the reality is for, for us, the, call us the regular people. The regular people, we have a chance, really. Hashem gives us the chance again and again and again. Every single day, He gives it to you again and again and again and again. And you just have to... And then when you fix it, you got to get the next one. You know, it's, it's basically, you know, you got to go... It, within the lifetime, it's going first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. So that's the extension goes as long as I keep fixing, you know. I don't know. It's another game show we could point to. So. Explains it a little. This whole part show, you know, real, um, this week or something I read, never read before. Um, you know, talks about the 